Hey everybody, Mark, Lily, and Eric here. It's another episode of Wild Wild Will, the podcast where we go through all the Will Smith movies and talk about those movies. We initially did Night Cruising, which is the exact same concept, but for Tom Cruise movies, you can find that at patreon.com slash the gentleman's club. Um, this is hot off the heels or hot off the heels. No, we're going into Eric's Palm Springs trip. What does that have to do with Eric's anything? Okay, I don't know what that has to do with well, the this, price of tea in this China. This initially was supposed to take place there. No, really? Yeah. That then they chose New York City because they were like, no, you uh, like L.A. That whole area looks empty regardless. Mm. So New York City never looks empty. Wouldn't it be freaky if New York City's empty rather than L.A. Whatever. Yeah. New York is like the epitome for that kind of stuff because you have the great shit where you're like you take out the bridges and there's nothing anyone can do and like this is a city that never sleeps so what does it look like when it is asleep like i feel like if you're making like an end of the world type thing everyone always wants it to be in also let's let's get real this is 2008 people are still high on 9-11 imagery and mm. they're like yep let's do it in new york because he said ground zero a lot in this was movie it, was it there- the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, wasn't there like a couple of promo pics of him webbing between the two towers or something? It was a trailer. So the original teaser for it um, wasn't the scene that was going to be in the movie, but they're like, oh, let's shoot something to tease the film. And it was basically these guys rob a bank. They jump into a helicopter. They think they've made a clean getaway, but then they get stuck midair and they're like, what the hell? And you pull out wide and they're in between the twin towers and there's a giant web and then it says like summer 2002 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fucked. Up. But they had to get rid of it because what? shortly <laughs> after that summer, comes what happened? someone drop it. No, what happened? Okay. Well, explain it. Eric. Uh, <laughs> in detail. I was in, I was in uh, <laughs> math class at the time. 22 a.m. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I was also in math class, though, Eric. Yeah. With Mrs. Matt. We were about to change classes. Yeah. And then, Ms. and then they were like, don't leave. And then Miss Spira came in with oh. her big grin. No, that's Miss Boney. Miss Boney. Miss Boney. Boney. With her. Oh, my God. She did. She had like a almost like grin. a Joker horror movie grin where it was like literally Black Dahlia, like yeah. ear to fucking ear. Smiling while she's telling us that the North the Tower world, got hit. The world this- is over <laughs> and it's okay. Are you guys okay? Is this okay to be using their names? Oh my god, <laughs> like, they're long dead. Mrs. Boney is not listening to this shit who's or remembering it. Who's Miss Spyro? Who am I? I don't Spyro know. Spyro the dragon. I Spyro. Spyro is that like his oh, girlfriend? Spyro. Um, <laughs> I am legend. Wait, is... let me ask you guys something. Maybe I don't want to open this can of worms, but my okay. first initial reaction when they told it to us, yeah, because they didn't have all the details. And my particular teacher came in and told everyone. Basically, they just told us planes hit the towers and the towers went down or whatever. But like, everything's okay here. You're safe. Yada, yada, yada. Go on with the class. So my initial reaction with that little bit of information was like, oh, my God, what a horrible accident. What what was conveyed to you guys? Because they weren't like, oh, by the way, it's believed to be like a terrorist attack. They was just like, oh, no, just two planes hit the towers. And that's what happened. And I I my for I asked Miss Boney 
to her big smiling face. I asked her uh, if the people, if there was anybody in the planes. Like, oh, I just didn't okay. understand the concept of yeah. what the hell was going on. But then I, I you were in ninth grade. You I knew shows. that the, uh, I knew that, um, that it was a terrorist attack because in Spanish class, Mr. Who is the De Fiori? De Fiori. Mr. De Fiori just had fucking CNN on blasting. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I, they were pretty much telling you everything there. Yeah. I feel like Miss Matt had a TV in her room and I think she popped it on and I've said this before and I don't know if I should put it in recording because it's just like kind of like slightly embarrassing. So like I'm in eighth grade wearing my awesome Adidas shoes, you know, just living that 2001 life. But they came in and they told us that the towers were hit, whatever. And I just like, <laughs> I remember thinking that we were like then going to get told that like the Eiffel Tower was hit. The pyramids mm. were hit. Like for whatever oh, reason, in, <laughs> in my mind, I thought like every major landmark was getting targeted and was like all going to be hit. Yeah. So I just had like a really like I just like wanted to go home. I remember feeling like because I was just like all these like major like world buildings. Uh, I don't know, historical places are all about to be hit. I don't like yeah. nothing she said would possess me to think that. But also, I guess I just never heard of an airplane purposely crashing into something yeah. before. The so great planes have I, been hit. <laughs> I just thought it was gonna be like more like the entire world was gonna be getting weird things. Um, that was obviously not the case. But I do remember being fucked up when I got home. You go to turn on MTV and it's just not on. No oh, TRL. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing on because they're like right there. And I remember, I don't know why, but that's when I was like, oh, shit fuck, is this real. shit is real. Yeah, real. Pete Davidson's dad. Oh, boy. I feel like you're making of light of it. A lot of people's dads and a lot yeah. of people. I am. Well, yeah, Robert you know, Pattinson. A lot of his character from Remember Me fucking died. Okay. Uh, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert. All right. Well, then a lot of people's dads were dead in I Am Legend. Yeah. yeah I, wait, let's get out of this quick. I think <laughs> no, I think board. we need more 9 11 talk. Well, he is legend <laughs> for our fans out there. Um, it definitely it should have post. made it into the movie. It was 2004. I think it was an oversight. The band he is legend has at least one good album. Great album. Um, Which I didn't realize this, but the like the classic song on it, the seduction that I just played. Of what I of what the movie? No, no, no. From he is legend. It's the a band? last. It's a lot last song on that album. It's not like the first song or the third song. It's literally the last song on the album. It's like, oh, I am Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, I am Hollywood. Oh, I mean, this seduction and I am seduction Hollywood. is the number first. Yeah, and then I am Hollywood. I think is the last one, and that's a really great. It's a closer. It's a closer. All right. Anyways, listen, guys. I am legend. Will Smith movie. Uh, directed by Francis Lawrence. Okay, he's got a weird career. Francis Lawrence. He's a hungry boy. He's a, a hungry lot of boy. music videos and just a lot of J law. Oh, damn. Yeah. A lot of hunger yeah. games. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence, J law. Oh, oh, I was thinking J law. Okay. Ew. No, I would never even think to talk about that. Um, starring Will Smith and Willow Smith. That's all you need to know. This Dang, is Francis movie Lawrence. He's doing the newest Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, 2023. Yeah. Guess why everybody is not going to be fucking good. 
Is it based on the books or is this just like an offshoot? Yeah, it's based on like some prequel books. Okay. Nobody wants it. So this this movie, I I want to go through what this movie's about, which will be pretty quick. But also, I, I did you guys do research on because this is based off of the book I Am Legend, yeah, and also uh, the book, uh, um, the, the Omega novel. Man, the Omega Man, but, oh, the novel no. I Am Legend, but the movie, the, the movie Omega, uh, the Omega Man. Yeah, okay, yeah. remember it. we watched the, we looked at the thing last time with Charlton Heston. Yeah. So. Did you guys now there's an alternate ending to this movie. There's also the ending of the book, which are both amazing. We got to get into it. Did you get did you guys read up on those? Yes. All right. So it's in the original movie. It's in Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price and it fucking rules. Yeah, uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We got to heavily. I'm just saying, let me do the movie first. Yeah, yeah. And then let's do start the the alternate ending of this movie. Okay, I, I watched. I, oh, oh, did you? Shit, I couldn't find it. It's so good. And then the alt, and then the book ending. Okay. Right. Before you get into the plot, did you guys see this in theaters? This 2000? <laughs> I might have. I'm honestly really trying to remember because I know I've seen this movie once and I can't remember if I saw it in theaters with my friend, which would make sense because 2004 or if it was like a blockbuster pickup. I can't remember which way it I might have been. I might have been both for me. This seems like a movie that, that well, I mean, this movie is right up my alley and especially at that time in my life. Yeah. So this came out 2007. Uh, shout out to came, No, it didn't. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, it did. I was sorry. I'm saying 2004 because I'm still thinking about he is legend. <laughs> <laughs> you are so fun. He is like a hardcore band um, who apparently performed this year at some festival. Anyway, that seems sad. Um, <laughs> me and my friend Pat went and saw this. Shout out to Pat. He's on our last Samurai podcast. Give it a give it a check. We gotta bring him in on a Will Smith one. Absolutely. Maybe after Earth. Um. Oh yeah, because me and Pat like After Earth. Um. Oh so, fuck. So we went and saw this, but the main reason we saw it because I don't even think the trailers really interested me because at that time, 2007, you're just kind of like, I'm over Will Smith. I'm into whatever's like dark and edgy and like cooler than this. 2007, we're seniors or it's our first year of college, whatever. We're seniors, right? No, first year of college, whatever. Who the fuck cares? Anyways, the only reason we saw it is because they were playing the first eight minutes of the dark night before oh. IMAX. So you could watch the whole Joker scene where he robs the bank. And that was the only there. preview too before I am legend. Yeah. And that was why we went and saw it. And we went and saw it. We love seeing the dark night bit. We'll get into how we felt about the movie. And then we've raced home because they also uploaded the trailer for the dark night online. And so oh, we ran onto my uh, parents' computer. Had to get on that AOL, baby. I, I don't know if it was AOL at the time, but it was. Um, no, it might have been Roadrunner by that point. Yeah, it was probably Roadrunner. Uh, and we booted that up and we watched the Dark Knight trailer and we just couldn't stop talking about the Dark Knight. And I don't think we really talked about I Am Legend. Honestly, you could say this in 2007. You and Pat could also still say this in 2022. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You guys are still doing that shit. Specifically go to movies if there's something cool attached. I mean, we raced and saw Quantum of Solace, which is one of the fucking James Bonds with Daniel Craig. I can't tell you one thing that happened, but we knew the Watchmen trailer was playing beforehand. So we're like, well, let's go buy a ticket to that movie so we can see the trailer. And then guess what? They didn't play the Watchmen trailer. (laughs) 
We wow. sat in front of Solace and then we raced home and found out it was online. So he did you dirty. Our priorities were all fucked up. Rude. All right. I am legend <laughs> is a movie oh, starring Will Smith. You really want plays, to get to that. He Come plays. Uh, what do you mean? This is what we always do. U.S. Army virologists, vi- virologists, virologists, but guy that works with viruses. And his name is Robert Neville. Bobby. OK, Robert. Ricky. That's um, not. Nope. So the whole deal is that a British lady comes up with a cure for cancer by altering the measles virus to go into the body and cure cancer. And like the whole thing in the beginning, they do like just the exposition dump of a, of, of news clips, right? Like mm-hmm. interview style. And she's just like, you know, we have a thousand and nine people that cancer patients that have been infected and how many are cured with cancer? 1009. And then like fl- flash forward to, the situation of I am legend, which is basically everybody is either dead mm-hmm. or have been turned into what are they called? Hemolites? Hemo. They, they're, they're like basically they're vampires, va- vampires. They call them dark seekers. That's Vamp- like his nickname for them. There's like a million things like the book calls them vampires. Mm-hmm. There's the hemolite thingy. There's dark seeker. Yeah, there's like a bunch of different names. The movie never calls them vampires. They don't. This call- movie never calls them vampires. This well, movie doesn't call them or anything. insinuates that they're vampires. And this movie's 2007, 28 Days Later is hot. Dawn of the mm-hmm. Dead, the Zack Snyder remakes hot. So they're just like, uh, let's get on that zombie. Yeah, trend. I'll say this. Mm-hmm. 2007 mark was like this these are zombies yeah yeah i understand that i've read bullshit and in the book it's vampires yeah but 2007 mark is like oh these are zombies basically the rules of these uh these zombie things they're super fast they'll they'll eat you they'll beat you up they're they're not as dumb as zombies and they seem to not be like group think like you know zombies are hordes right where they're like you know just I don't know, hoarding around type of thing. These guys are fast, um, kind of animal-like. They roar and they hate the sun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so these things basically only come out at night, which gives uh, uh, Robert, um, you know, being alone and just with his dog, the opportunity to go and like hunt for food and scavenge during the day. But at night, he's got to get back to his his house slash laboratory. That's right. I said he has a laboratory because he's trying laboratory. To, that's what I said laboratory because okay. he is trying to cure this virus. Yeah. Um, and he's doing experiments on like um, rats that have it by giving them injections. I think like just he's messing with his blood because he's got a natural immunity to it. Yeah. I think he's under the assumption he's the last person on Earth other than these, you yeah. know, these monster zombies that are going around. And so he'll test on the rats and then he'll capture one of the zombie thingies and uh, test on them if a type of serum or whatever or, or vaccine works on one of the rats. And then he tries to, you know, he'll capture them, he'll test them and he'll kind of like weirdly like keep them captured. But he's caught like multiples of of these these zombie things. Well, at some point, he starts discovering that uh, these zombie things are becoming more immune to the light right at some points like there's there's like what that one big one that kind of like half comes out am i am i i'm right with that right like they start like being less scared of the light and they also pushing it a little bit yeah yeah but then they the, the his whole thing is that he traps them and captures them well at one point they set a fucking trap for him by putting like a mannequin that he has an effect uh uh 
affection for affection friendship uh, friendship with a mannequin because you know he's the last person or whatever and they trap him Mm -hmm. they hook him up with a trap and he gets saved by some random lady that he did not know exists and this woman is she she's got she's with her daughter right uh with a boy boy son then they're not i assume related in any way and they're trying to get to like Maryland, Vermont, Vermont. Oh, yeah. I remember I went, oh, shit. Bernie Sanders taking care of everybody, <laughs> even in the apocalypse. Hell yeah. Vermont. Um, so they're going to Vermont because they think that there's like some army base there or whatever. Um, and he's just like, there's nothing in Vermont. Everybody's dead. Um Oh, yeah. At some point, his stupid dog gets infected. He has to break that motherfucker's neck or whatever, choke it out until it dies because the dog got infected. Um, so they're they're about to go like, they're, you know, she's trying to go to Vermont or whatever. They're in the the she takes him to his house slash laboratory, but she does it when it's like dark. So the zombie things find out where he lives and they like attack the house. Um, he has to sacrifice himself, right? Mm-hmm. To, um, to his, so the kid and the woman with a escape. fucking grenade, the grenade yeah. sacrifices him, blows the laboratory up, um, and then they escape to Vermont. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders got his little utopia, know, utopia, and they let them in. And but they, do they walk away? Does the woman and the kid because he basically finds the cure? Right, yeah, the, the one starts. Blood. Do yeah. they? Do they? Blood. They walk away with the cure, right? Yes, he hands it Definitely. to him. He puts them in like um, like a kiln, like a fire thing, blows him and all the zombies up so they can stay in there. And he's like, "Don't come out until daylight." Yeah, and then so that when daylight comes, comes they can come out. The fire hasn't gotten them, and then they can leave with the cure. All right, so that's you how it would have sucked if that grenade made it a more torturous death when you're in a kiln that metal, hot metal starts cooking you alive in there. Not even, okay, I mean, the logistics <laughs> of grenades, it's not really how they work. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, no, that's true too. When I saw the explosion of the grenade, I'm like, what the fuck's in his laboratory? Um, you just like, like assume like he's probably got like oxygen, he's probably got like a lot of flammable liquids and yeah chemicals. that was kind of like it's kind of like a porno set lab where it's just like yeah he's yeah. definitely got beakers of like horse shit they're just like uh science lab let's uh decorate it like a science lab um so Put him in the lab coat so we all know the alternate ending to this movie we all know the book ending right do what yes. if you guys want to take the reins and do the the alternate ending of this movie which is so badass and they they shot Mm-hmm. And they showed it to audiences and then they were like, fuck it. We're going to do this lame ass ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lily, do I do the book ending? Do you know the book ending or no? I don't know that I know the book. Okay. Ending. Eric, do you know this one? Do you, how about you do this one, Eric? Yeah, I know the, yeah, yeah. You knew the, you'll do the book ending. Mark? I'll do the book ending. Yeah, right. yeah. So this alternate ending, which is so much fucking better and it's adjacent to the book ending, man, maybe you got to do the book ending first. Okay. Well, I feel like, let me do the movie ending in better detail okay because i feel like you really need to like set it up because the whole point is that these creatures which in this one are much more zombie like they're thought to be just like feral like you lose all your humanity but what we start to seeing is um robert has been stealing them occasionally to take them and do experiments on them to try and like find a cure well he finally takes one chick and we can tell by her beautiful rack 
Um, he takes zombie her. Moves. I forgot that that yeah, that zombie was stacked, son. It was weird. He does an <laughs> experiment great. on her. It seems like it's not going well. 24 hours later, holy shit, colors coming back into her. She's looking more human. Fuck, this thing's really working. But the problem is that he, Robert, took someone's we're going to insinuate lover because this one zombie, zombie lover yeah. zombie this one zombie gets like real alpha like lets the sun burn him a little bit is really like i'm coming out to find you and you start seeing with this zombie you're like oh they're not just feral like he's smart enough to create a trap he's smart enough to wait um he clearly has human connections to another zombie and so when they're in the lab and they break in uh the zombie really like wants his partner back and he's like going to break some shit down. And the whole movie is like premised on this like stupid thing that his daughter would see butterflies everywhere and like point out butterflies. So at one point at the end, he takes it as a sign because he thinks of his daughter talking about butterflies and he looks and the woman that like he met with like the kid, Ethan, Anna, she has a butterfly tattoo. And all of a sudden he has his like, I now believe in God moment. I now have faith moment and goes, oh my God, I thought there was no God. I thought God was bullshit. But look at you were brought here for a reason. And the reason was for me to give you the cure and for you to get out and save humanity. Like the whole time he thought he was going to save humanity. He kept being like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. And in that butterfly effect moment, he realizes, oh my God, I've played my part. Now it's, I'm passing the torch. I'm passing the baton off to her. She's got a fucking butterfly tattoo on her neck. She's going to save humanity. He dies in the fire with all the zombies, takes them all the fuck out. And she gets to like, civilization and the reason the movie's called i am legend is because it's her recounting the story of robert and that like he is like a legend and we are his legends like all of us who survived because of him so i feel like you really need to understand clearly the ending to this movie to see the stark differences and the other endings so did you guys notice that, um, and I didn't look this up, I just noticed it while watching it, when the fucking zombie or whatever's hitting the glass, it makes butterfly wings on the glass. And he, looks at, he looks at the zombie and it looks like it has butterflies, but butterfly wings, but it's just like the cracks in the glass. And then he looks at her neck. Um, it's a lot. We'll get into it. Um, but yes, that's a way better description of the ending. That's exactly how it ends. So the alternate ending not this action-packed fucking pull the grenade and kill everyone fucking ending, is that same same setup, the zombies infiltrate the lab, they're on the other side of the glass, and he looks to, what's the woman's name? I'm sorry, Anna? Yeah. yeah. He looks her and he's just like, open the doors. And he's she's like, are you fucking crazy? We're not going to open the doors to these zombies. He's like, open the door. So she grabs a gun, goes over, opens the doors. And when they open up, you realize the zombies aren't attacking because Will Smith, Robert Neville starts rolling out the stacked girl zombie <laughs> yeah. out on a gurney, <laughs> a gurney she was on. And he brings her out in front of them. And they all start doing that cool, like breathing thing that they were doing earlier. Where they're, they're like huddled up. 
huddled up and they're just breathing, which is really like weird. Anyways, they start doing that around him. And if any of the zombies try to like snarl or attack him, the alpha one fucking screams at them to like, don't fucking touch him. And he pulls out a syringe and like stabs it into the zombie girl's fucking veins. And she like wakes up, not cured, but she just kind of wakes up out of whatever fucking induced coma he has her in. If he's been keeping her sedated. And the alpha male comes over and has this like super touching moment with the girl zombie where like they recognize each other. They like embrace and he, the alpha male takes the girl and the zombies fucking take off, man. And it's just like, we're just here for like one of our people. And so shit, Mark was supposed to do the book ending first, but I'll, I'll explain why that's adjacent to the the book ending where it like humanizes this new species it's like they're like the new colony but mark will get into the book so it's a little bit more true parallel to the book book and yeah sort not, right, right, complete, go ahead, go not ahead, completely go of course but a little bit closer the theme matches the more theme, with the book the thematic, so that, yeah. all right so the book ending let's lay it out with the book these are fucking vampires with a yeah. capital P in the middle. Okay. Oh. These are fucking vampires. Sucking blood. Weird? What? <laughs> well, there's a distinction in the book. If a vampire is dead and like gets killed and then turns into a vampire and rises from the dead, they're like the fear, feral, like crazy mm-hmm. vampire that just wants to rip you apart. Oh, if we'll you get, get to bit, it. If you get bit when you're alive, you're a little bit more coherent but sorry so, sorry, yeah. oh. so it's a vampire these are fucking vampires okay yeah sucking blood hating garlic yeah um Crucifix the sun right yeah. yeah vampires hell sink now the woman that ends up meeting up with uh robert um is he he doesn't think she's a vampire but she's a vampire in disguise as a human oh fuck and the only reason he starts getting an inkling of it she somehow is able to come out in the light is that she hates garlic okay Ah! so starts getting an inkling about it type of thing and um basically he's kind of doing the same thing where he's trying to cure everybody and eric's right there's vampires that are much more human able to talk all that Mm. stuff but then there's also the undead ones okay. that are much more feral, like Eric is saying. So there's like three things. There's humans, there's vampires, and there's undead vampires. Are the undead ones one that like died and then came back? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, oh, and if you want to get super nerdy, sorry, I'm just going to have one more detail. Super, super nerdy. Neville or someone deduces that the only reason they're afraid of like crucifixes and garlic in the sun is not necessarily the virus that has turned them into vampires, but it's our perceived notion of what vampires are that is just like in our subconscious. It's like that powerful that these things think they have to be afraid of these things. Anyways, go on. Mark. I like that. Um, so she's basically pretending to be a human because he's been capturing them and all this shit and doing killing experiments and, and, and all this bullshit, killing them and stuff. And so she's like spying on him. Right. And it basically comes out. She's like, look, at the end, she's like, normal vampires we're not fucking around we're killing these undead vampires we don't want these assholes around and um you got to get out of here because we're gonna fucking kill you there <laughs> big daddy all right that that is that is going to happen and as she's telling him this and the realization that she's a vampire um he decides to stick around and he gets mortally wounded and he ends up dying and as he's dying he starts thinking um 
and this is actually the same with Eric's ending too, sort of. At the end, he he was supposed to say like, I am legend, right? And at the end of the book, he's thinking, I am legend. And the reason he's thinking I am legend is because in, in normal world and humanity, vampires are legend. Mm. And they're these terrible monsters that kill us and do this. And he's like, for this new people, mm. these new vampires that are taking over the world, that are killing the dead, that are going to be the new civilization, I will be that legend. The human. The, hu- the human yeah. that was trapping them, killing them, loved mm. garlic, all this shit. So it was just, I am legend as in, is the realization that I am the bad guy. And that's kind of why they switched the movie from that alternate ending, because they were like, ultimately, Will Smith's the bad guy. And it's a realization that you're the monster mm-hmm. that's been capturing and doing experiments on this cultured society pretty much well and it's like too i feel like the movie and even with the alternate ending it doesn't like showcase enough that like he was straight up torturing these things like he was like doing experiments right on them like this one they tried to be like oh he's doing rats first and then that and just like no he saw them as like inhuman so he was like severely torturing them beforehand and also the beginning the whole thing is like hey this white British lady, um, she has a thing that cures cancer, right? Ultimately, it does. Humanity's the cancer. Oh, you know, right? Because her shit, a- this is why and books but- are better. Yeah, like motherfucker. So humanity's the cancer. She was right. Her fucking shit killed all of humanity. So and then it fulfills at the end because he has the realization that he's always been the bad guy. Also, I just want to to again be nerdy. In the book, the small little detail is that it's not that he's mortally wounded. That's from Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price and I think the Omega Man too, where he's mortally wounded and has that realization that he's like the thing that stalks the streets and kills this like new society. He's the bad guy. But in the book, he's being he's in a prison cell getting ready for execution. They're going to execute him very civilized, quote unquote, in a very like societal manner. And as he's waiting there in the prison cells, He's looking out to all the vampires and he's being like, oh, my God, I'm like Dracula. Yeah, I'm the thing that they fear. Like, they're going to kill me because I'm the monster that goes out and kills them. So that's just a small little detail. Which I just love it because that's just it's almost like an M. Night fucking twist type of thing. Yeah. Where like this movie just like like it's like the dumbest. M. Night's great at grabbing the dumbest concept and then making me watch it like three times. Mm-hmm. And this concept of just like, what if? The vampires are the normies and we're the vampires. Well, it's very like the village. Yeah. From M. Night, where it's like you were like the beast all along type thing. I mean, it's why books are better. Let's be honest, because I'll read that shit. They will end on some dark fucking shit that has you like rethinking life. And Hollywood's just a bunch of fucking pussies. Well, you can't fucking you can't show me a stacked zombie in a book. Yeah. Also, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of M. Night, his new trailer for his new film oh, just dropped today looks fucking awesome. And as I'm watching it, I'm going, yeah, I think he could have done I Am Legend. Oh, he could have done a great I Am Legend, especially if he did it close to the book. Like, that is an M. Night twist. All right. So we've just discussed the ending, but I want to do a shout out to the person who wrote I Am Legend. It is author Richard Mathinson. Just fantastic fantastic author fantastic writer he wrote a lot for the twilight zone like classic episodes of the twilight zone his novels are great but in particular his short stories are fucking fantastic 
Um, this guy sounds so romantic, but I bought in New York City one of his short story compilations and I read it on a train back home, <laughs> like an eight hour train ride. And the short stories were fucking awesome. And what's so great about him, he's very much like a Stephen King. He's he's but he comes before Stephen. He's King. on coke. Yeah, This guy was writing in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond. But what's great about him is he doesn't do the flowery language stuff. It's just like so clean and economic how he tells a story and he just that's what he's doing he's telling you a story he's not trying to get you fucking caught up and like oh look how great his uh, use of language is it's more of just like this person's doing this now they're at this apartment and the apartment's a space shuttle and it's going to outer space and you're like wait what what the <laughs> fuck's going on and you just get caught up in whatever crazy nonsense he's writing really really great so i just jumped on the libby app and checked out the book I'm going to read it. Yeah, I'm sold. What is it called, that short story compilation? Um, You can just get I Am Legend and other short stories. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Yeah, that seems like what at least Monroe County Library has. The one I had was like Into the Dark or something. But anyways, Mm. he's just a famous, famous author, famous writer. Um, And it's so funny when we talk about how like monumental this ending is and how interesting this ending is because... I feel like when you remake, sometimes when you remake a movie, and this is the question I'm going to post to you too. I feel like we're going to be caught on this fucking ending the entire time. You want to do something different to maybe subvert the expectations. Like, okay, if you go into this knowing what I Am Legend is, and you're like, okay, he's going to be the monster at the end. But, oh, wait a second. He's the savior of humanity at the end of this. It totally neuters what like was so horrific and cool about the original ending. But they're trying to do something different. Here's the problem I'm having, though. I feel like when you remake a movie or you're doing an adaptation of a fucking novel from the 50s, you're trying to introduce this to a new audience, say 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 20-year-olds, who are going to see this movie for the first time. They don't know the fucking cool ending. You know what I mean? They don't know that it has this badass, like, oh, my God, Will Smith is like the vampire and they're the normies. So to rob the new generation of that impact just to keep the fans of the original material piss them off because you're subverting the expectation. It's just like, what do you do? And I think the smarter thing is to do the adjacent thing where it's like, get to the same conclusion, right? But tell it in a different way. Get to the same idea. Maybe instead of it being so tied to the book, like he's got, he's behind bar cells, he's getting ready to be executed, do something that still relates with that concept or whatever. And they, they Hollywood, I mean, and this will get into my whole nitpick with the entire movie. It feels very Hollywood. It feels like this script was like written 105 times and like they just kept going. Make sure he has the daughter and wife who are dead. Make sure he has this. Make sure he has this. Let's really fucking make sure it's hitting on page 12. This needs to happen on page 30. This then he sacrificed, you know, and you just feel all the piss taken out of it in a bad mm. way. I want that piss in the movie. Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's like <laughs> <Hell> such yeah. <laughs> um, R. Kelly has joined us on the podcast. Um, uh, I think. I think what's disappointing is I'm not a screenwriter, but it seems like there's like a good way to do a happy medium where you can be more true to the ending, but also like I can understand executives being like, we don't want Will Smith to be the ultimate bad guy. So it's like, you can do that thing where he comes to a realization of just like, holy shit. Like 
this is a humanity. Like these are people and I've been fucking them up and I've been doing them wrong and where he can feel remorse and he can have a moment with like the most coherent of the in this one zombies being like, I'm sorry. Like I thought I broke something and I had to fix it. And you know what? Like I was the thing that was broken and like, that would still be a great tie in like with his family. Like he was broken. He wasn't around enough. And then they died and all this stuff. And you'd be like, I was, what was broken. Like, I'm sorry. And the guy could have been like, it's a new world. We fucking get like, you know, like there could have been a moment where it's like, he realized what he did was wrong, but then he can also get forgiveness. So it's like, Oh, that's still like, a character redemption so he's still not the bad guy he's just a broken person you could yeah you could change it with it with but still keep the same concept like uh the day the earth stood still they changed it like i think the original was like the aliens coming here to fuck people up and basically tell them to stop like like it was a nuclear war Mm. fear for the original life, if I'm remembering that correctly and the keanu reeves one was like um it was like hey you're polluting the earth Right. right. It environmental, was like yeah. Environmental one. Different, different ways that you're killing each other, but ultimately the alien is still there to be like, you guys are killing yourself, and I'm here to tell you to stop killing yourself. Like, um, this this and here's here's what's where where it's just like they messed up so bad is like I, I was fine with this movie. Here's the thing: this movie is right up my ass, right up my alley. Like, I'm into this shit, like post-apocalyptic zombies last person on earth that's like checking a lot of fucking mark myra boxes right there mm. and i and i'm fine with this movie and i and i'll watch it again and i'm just like yeah i like this movie like i like i like watching this movie but the ending i do not i don't care i just don't care about the ending in this movie and just re- i'm not going to read a book but researching this i looked at the book ending and stuff so we can go through that and when i read that book ending like i'm not kidding that book ending that I just read on like a sparks notes type of shit is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Cause that's such a badass fucking ending. Like that's really like sticking with me where I'm just like, Oh shit. Now this movie makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Now the, this is way cooler. Whereas like I am legends ending never stuck with me in any way. It's very like, wah, wah. Yeah. This ending that I just read out of Sparks, like Sparks notes was, is like fucking awesome. You know what this ending reminds me of? And I don't know if this is a book, a movie, either of you have seen. And honestly, I don't know why I've seen it. Have either of you seen Book of Eli? Yes. With with Denzel Washington. Washington. And you find out at the end of the movie and listen, I'm so sorry if you're a person of faith, but I was so pissed off at the ending when like it was the Bible. And I was like, did I just get conned in to watching like a religious movie? And it felt so. Were we not supposed to know he was blind? Was that the trick? Yeah. And like, it was like God being eyes the entire time. One did it better. You know what I mean? It's just like, it just felt like a gotcha moment. It felt like, remember me where it's like a gotcha moment in the end. This movie just at the end, all of a sudden went, we're going to have a lot of religious fucking overtones out of nowhere. We're going to have him scream in a woman's face that God's not real. God's dead. And I'm like, yeah, bitch. Fuck God. You just had like a terrible, you know, genocide of humankind, which they maybe deserved. 
But then she's like, no, God led me to you. God's calling me to Vermont. And he's just like, bitch, you're crazy. But then the like the last second, she's like, oh my, there is a God. She is right. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, I expect like Kirk Cameron to show up out of somewhere. Like, I did not sign up for this movie about faith out of nowhere because it's not like it starts off in that way and just felt like a weird like throw on in the end where just out of nowhere I decided to be like a super religious movie and I just didn't appreciate it and hearing and when I read the alternate ending of the movie I'm like that's a thousand percent cooler alternate ending of the book sounds a million percent cooler where it's just like that's a more interesting and nuanced and thoughtful ending than just being like (laughs) god works in mysterious ways it's like a cop-out yeah signs did the religious ending way better like yo what up i want to become christian after watching signs you know what i'm saying (laughs) um and i was too scared (laughs) here's here's the thing now i'm gonna sound like a total hypocrite I will give the movie credit one aspect credit on the ending and it's a thematic thing. And it's like, it's like one one thematics. It's not even that deep, but I'm a fucking idiot. So I was like, Oh, that's neat. The whole movie. It's the cliche where it's like, he had a wife and child and they died. Right. Due to this whole thing, there was an accident, helicopter, whatever they're dead. Mm-hmm. So the whole movie, he's trying to find a cure for the dead right these zombies Mm. undead things because he's trying to bring back his dead wife and kid not literally but you know what i mean like if he can save the zombies in a weird way he can save them or their memory not tarnish the fact that this disease took the world but that the end he realizes he's screaming at them in the original ending, not the alternate ending, but in the original ending, he's screaming at them through the glass, being like, I can save you. He's screaming at the zombies. I can save you. He still thinks he can save these things that maybe are unsavable, untreatable, potentially. Who knows? But then he looks to the child and kid, or not the child and kid. <laughs> he looks and to the, the mother. The, then he looks to the stag zombie. <laughs> he looks to the child and kid. Um that's a Bob Marley song, child and kid. Um, He looks to the mother and the kid and is basically like, oh, fuck. Like, I shouldn't be trying to save the dead. I should probably preserve like the life that's like right in front of my fucking face. And it's mm-hmm. kind of that notion of like move on from like the people you've lost or whatever. Yeah, like, your grief. In that rut. Yeah, if you get stuck in the rut of grief, like you're never going to like get out. You have to like the things that are right in front of you that are alive and living, like protect them, preserve them. So that was the one cool thing. And an otherwise like lame, grab a grenade and like do the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing, blow up the fucking lab. Okay. Also funny. You said that. So, you know, this, right. Okay. So like the studios had rights to this movie since like 1970. Got like, they've made multiples of it. They were going to make this movie. With Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Will Smith character. Well, then you got to change it up. And he really does. It was going to be more action. He, he does have to be the monster. It was going to be more action. And God, who the fuck was supposed to direct it? Some, it was supposed to be Steven Spielberg. I bought. Oh, no, no, no. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> That's a bullshit. Steven Spielberg put so much end. fucking heart at the end of it. It was supposed to be Ridley Scott. Yo, and I Arnold. Yeah. Yes. But it went like 
violently over budget. So they scrapped it. Well, which like over budget was just like, I mean, this movie cost like 150 million. But like at the time, they're like, that's over budget and it was going to be R rated. So they're like, okay, so like that even narrows our audience more. So they ended up scrapping it, but it would have been Ridley Scott and Arnold. I want to see that. And then it was supposed to be Michael Bay and Will Smith. And Michael Bay and Will Smith just went, eh, let's just make Bad Boys 2 instead. Smart move. <laughs> and then it became, who is this? This Francis fucker and Will Smith. Francis Lawrence. Well, yeah. here's what's interesting, because when I'm watching the movie, which we'll get into, to me personally, again, it feels a very middle of the road movie that can't decide, is it edgy, grounded, realistic, weird, or is it big action spectacle for 14 year olds or whatever? Um, and all I kept thinking, you say Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm not kidding. If you're going to go that route, like an action thing, make the Starship Troopers version where you totally bastardize what the book is for satirical purposes, where it's like make the RoboCop Starship Trooper. What I'm saying is just get Paul Verhoeven to make yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Right? You just want him to do it. Okay. Where it's like, <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> Robert Neville, scientist, and it's just a guy who's like 300 pounds of pure muscle, like he can't even fit into a lab coat. Like, yep, I'm a scientist because I got my the only good stuff. zombie's a dead one. Exactly. And like every shot should have the American flag. I'm doing oh. my part. Right, right. Almost as a critique on like, you know, American exceptionalism or whatever. It's like, I'd rather see the like big action, ridiculous version because this movie has these big, ridiculous like CGI action scenes where these zombies are doing all this crazy parkour and grabbing things and whatever, whatever. But then it has these quiet, what has to feel like, oh, this is real and gritty. I'm like, a part of me wish it just picked a lane in that sense. Mm, I think that's where I, it is. I, I, it didn't pick enough of a lane. So like the first half of the movie does like that nice, quiet. Um, it's trying to be a little horror, trying to be a little suspenseful. Definitely wants to be depressing. And then the third act is just like, okay, let's blow up some things. It's like, wait, that's, what? That's the thing. I would say I was thinking watching this to go like, it, again, picking the lane thing. Go even more subdued. And I'm talking about like the the beginning parks. I find it so interesting just the concept of like the last man on earth concept. And actually, yeah. the the comedy show Last Man on Earth did a better job of this. Oh no, yeah, I did a really okay. good job of it. Okay. Of like, I love watching almost like the day to day castaway style of how somebody survives in this situation. And I'm not talking about from the beginning when you're first learning how, because this is three years after the fact, right? Yeah, three years after the fact. I want to see. How, what Will Smith has set up in order to live in this situation. And this movie fucked it up so bad because it's like the, the first scene is him hunting deer. Yeah, And if we're weird. honest, you want to keep it as realistic as possible. And this is just my dumb brain thinking about it for 10 minutes of thinking about it. I would go, oh, he's probably not eating a lot of meat. You want to preserve yourself. You don't want to get hurt, right? Mm -hmm. You want to preserve yourself. So he's probably like eating bugs and stuff for protein because that's easy. Like a bug's not going to bite you or put an antler through your stomach, right? Mm -hmm. And like foraging shit to in order to eat and stuff. And I guess he has to be near the laboratory. So he has to stay in New York City and, and whatnot. But like instead they do kind of like this half action thing where he's in like a, a Lamborghini or some shit. It's like, like fast a, and furious hunting style. He's like in a Corvette <laughs> doing burnouts and fucking pointing a shotgun out the window going after this massive 
deer that a lion ends up fucking eating, which is insane. And it's like, if you are a smart person, which this guy's a doctor, you would self-preservation. You wouldn't be speeding through New York City where you could end up getting hurt making about in a car trying to shoot this fucking deer. And I wish they almost did like that. Um, uh, what's the word? It's more of like survival shit where it's like he actually knows how to hunt. Yeah, sir. But like there's um, what's, there's a word for it, like almost like procedural. Like I want to see like this is day to day. And then you bring us mm. into like. Oh, here come the, the zombies type of thing or go fucking all out like Eric was saying where it's like you're blowing shit up. I think I appreciate not doing all the procedural stuff because it's like I don't need that scene of just like, well, where do you shit without indoor plumbing? Oh, I like, I don't uh, need that. We've I, want to see plumbing, that. <laughs> I just feel like we've seen it so many times. Like, I'm good on that. The lion thing was kind of fucking weird because honestly, they'd all be in cages he probably would have killed them already to eat them. The whatever. Um, I will say that I did like the mannequin thing, but when I was reading, I wish there was something they went a little harder on. Cause I did like all the mannequin stuff. I find that shit great. Just like how someone sustains themselves mentally. He's like friends with the mannequin. It's like a Wilson volleyball type. Yeah. Thing. Where he's like got them set up at like the movie store and he like talks to them. He's got like the fake cashier and it's like, oh, who's that pretty girl over there? And like that shit's hilarious. And it's just like, I guess like there's no one there to think you are stupid. So like, why not? And he like watches old today show, which like implicates that he's like been to 30 rock and like rated it and it's just like looking for bits of humanity left. But apparently the mannequins were not all mannequins. Sometimes they had people as the mannequins. Oh, I, I heard and they're like, too. if you okay. watch it, sometimes the mannequins are moving a little bit. That's and cool. like, okay, so like the big pivotal scene where he gets captured and his mannequin Fred is like out where he shouldn't be, which is oh, like yeah. hella fucking spooky. Yeah. We're just like, who the fuck could have moved that? I am the only person on earth. And I said to Mark, I was like, I think the mannequin moved. Like at first, I thought it was the zombie dressed up in the mannequin outfit. Which, that would have been fucking dope. Like that would have been dope. But also, I think there is something really cool. I wish they um would have shown it a little bit better. I think it's one of those things where they almost hit it a little too much in the background that all the mannequins were being kind of like human than mannequin human than mannequin because I think that would have been dope. Where like it would fuck with your brain probably. Where it'd be like did that mannequin just move? Like, yeah. did that like, like almost like a Madame Tussaud shit where you're like, I can't fucking well, that would have been almost like from tell. his perspective because he's believing that they're real yeah. the insanity of being all alone. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And I loved the mannequin stuff, even how it was. But I think I, w I wish they would have like brought that like a little harder because I think it would have just brought like a different you know what I mean? Like a little bit more of a horror I, aspect to it. I wish this movie also was better. Like in the ending was better. They went with the alternative ending because I I'm going to say with what he's fucking working with. Will Smith is great in this. Oh, so good. He is like, this is some of the best acting. I think like like I, I would put this on par. It's a lot of the scenes with uh with Ali. Like, like he's really fucking good in this. I mean, the material isn't is like a B minus or a C plus, but he's great. Yeah, he's I agree with a lot you. of acting. I think Will Smith's really, really solid. And look, I know I'm nitpicking it or whatever. I will give credit. There are 
really fucking good moments. There's that really good set piece in the middle of the film. It's like your second act, whatever scare scene where the dog runs into a band. Mm. Oh, shit. But it's becoming night. And I remember that in theaters was really intense because the movie slows down and he's just walking through this abandoned building with his gun that has a light on it, but he also doesn't want to shine it to give away his position. So he's constantly putting his hand over the light and they just milk it for all it's worth. And when you finally come upon the horde of zombies or the infected ones, they're just in a room, almost like it reminds me of like people dancing like around a campfire or whatever. They're just breathing and their shoulders are like going up and down, but they're all like, looking at something or looking at each other and it's so unsettling and i'm like yeah Yeah, you're you're doing a good job i was gonna ask about that in theaters because when we were watching it all i have thinking was was like my tv is not good enough for this scene because i was Mm. like i feel like this scene would be fucking terrifying in theater eric on the bandwagon of our tv shit okay no no i'm saying like it seems like a thing if you were sitting in like complete darkness big screen it would be hella spooky that that was that that is like a really terrifying scene also did any of you get like video games vibes from it oh it was like resident evil shit okay Okay. right like i feel like the pov of it where like it's not you're not him but you're like just over his shoulder i um that that part was super cool and it made me wish that um that that the zombies didn't look so bad and i know that's like a lame fucking no that they were shit but they like, could have been real they looked good in the huddle like when they were huddled yeah. together that might have just been actors and i think they said that they shot a lot of this with actors as the zombies yeah. but then they ended up in post just like going full cgi mm-hmm. with them but like yeah like if sh- even show them less make yeah. it actors and show them less because like mm. when they roar like the, the the cgi was just like there's no weight to them which it's yeah. just basically the I critique robot. Yeah, it's the critique of every poorly made CGI. No weight to them. They look rubbery. They look shiny. It's mm-hmm. just like they look like a cartoon. Yeah, sometimes not seeing something is scary. I think M. Night's like the king of that, where it's like sometimes it's just better not to see the thing than to do like a poor version of something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that scene, they crushed that scene. It's got a good, good vibe to it. It's good. It's awesome. I want to backtrack a little bit because we were talking about like in a lot of these movies where it's the end of the world and there's one person left and they're going through their daily fucking shit. You can either see, yeah, the procedural shit or whatever. Like, what do they do day to day? Which again, last man on earth, the will, Jesus Christ, there's so many will forte version is fucking hilarious because like he gets bored so quick and just like succumbs to drinking and it's really, really funny and he loses his mind really quick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they have that. I adore The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price, which is based on this. It is a fucking phenomenal movie, both the black and white version. And then when they try to colorize it or whatever, when they did that to a bunch of movies for some reason, that version's even cooler, too, because it's surreal to see colors that don't make sense on top of black and white. Uh, where like people's flesh is like blue and green and you're like, what the (laughs) fuck is going on? Um, But that movie fucking rules. And I want to compare it a little bit to I Am Legend. And I think Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price is a little bit closer to the book where it's like, when you're Joe Nobody, in this case, yes, he's a scientist and that's true in the novel. That's true in Last Man on Earth. 
but you're not Will Smith with a 16 pack, right? And like awesome biceps. I mean, and he like looked He no, he looked phenomenal. But mm. this gets into my small critique. It's a wish fulfillment. Seeing him in the cool Corvette with the sniper rifle mm. doesn't feel like. Oh my God, the apocalypse sucks. It makes me go like, hell yeah, man. Give me a fucking Corvette. I want to fucking race through an abandoned New York and shoot things with my fucking sniper rifle. Deer or fucking zombie. (laughs) Zombie. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. Like, or, oh, it's like, oh, look how cool it is. He gets to live in like a cool apartment and he gets to do pull-ups and get really strong. Easy. I would do that shit got a cool record player he's can eat breakfast and bacon and all this other shit it's just like it doesn't feel as like burdened it doesn't feel as tragic like everyone you know is dead and oh i'm with it wait, oh wait. really i felt like he seemed very fucking lonely no but eric's right about the wish fulfillment thing where it's like oh like they made they paint it pretty badass in the beginning it's like action see it's like a fun action sequence hunting deer in a fucking in a mustang or whatever it was no, i can't there's the facade of tragedy. There's the facade of loneliness. But if you look beyond what the script's trying to tell you, that's like, man, look at how lonely he is. It's like his record player sounds perfect. And like <laughs> he has soap for his dog. Like he's getting his dog bath. Oh, him and his dog have treadmills matching treadmills. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Like, uh, but when you watch Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price, like Vincent Price has like a pot belly because he's drinking all day and smoking way too many cigarettes. When he has to go dispose of like the vampire bodies, he is driving a jalopy, like a beat up car that can barely get anywhere. And it just looks like a mess. And he is lost in the sauce of madness. Like madness is creeping in in such a degree because he is the last person on earth and vampires are trying to fucking kill him every waking second. And it's just like, yeah, you're just going to eat cheeseburgers and smoke cigarettes and like, in that one, does he have a family that died? Yeah. Same, same backstory and same idea that he meets a woman and she ends up being, you know, the spy. So I guess I just give him like the superhero complex where it's like, no, he's not going to drink. We're three years out. He's past that depression. He's got to like put on his cape and save everybody there, there, in this version. Right. Right, know, right, right, right. Like how I've been saying that this shit is right up my alley. There is something, there has to be like a word for it that's like Greek or something. But there is something <laughs> soothing about um, cityscapes that are deteriorating. There's just something mm. like like I could watch that all day. There, in fact, there was like yeah. a show on um, Discovery or History Channel where it's just like they would take cities mm-hmm. and using craft. Like don't, this is it. I don't know if you ever watched it, Lily. It's a half hour long show. No. They take a city, so they'll be like, "Here's Rome, you know, modern day Rome. Mm-hmm. Here's what it'll look like." two years without humans four years without humans and they go all it's like ten thousand years without humans and just watching nature take it back there's like something like i don't know i, I do like the idea shit. of nature taking it back but like i will tell you guys i would kill myself so epically quickly like, i feel like these kind of movies are so hard for me to relate to because one i want to be taken out in the first wave maybe second wave if I watched my family die in a helicopter crash, I wouldn't make it off there because I would die then. I would force someone to kill me. I would kill myself. I'm 100% not making it three goddamn years because what's the fucking point? You think you're the last person alive? Save humanity. Fuck it. Who cares? Just go kill yourself. Like, 
I just genuinely, I don't find these movies peaceful because the entire time I'm having just like the most suicidal thoughts where it's just like, what are you doing with yourself, my man? Fucking kill you. Like, I can't even explain to people enough how quickly I would kill myself in all of these. Like, I am telling you right now, I have three children. If one of them died I will also die along with them. Right. There's not even whoa, end of the world whoa, shit. Whoa, Get that whoa, tattooed whoa. on me. So I'm um, just saying, like, if you watched your family die, like, fuck this shit. That's why I think I'm it, out. It's a guy thing that likes us. What is the what does the male bear do after the cubs are born? He's not even there when they're exactly. born. Exactly. They just leave. They leave. This is like a, I feel like it's like a guy thing to like want to be alone forever. <laughs> yeah, like what's a living You thought? versus nature, man versus nature. Isn't that part of like storytelling 101? And then, you, and then you meet a new lady and like, <laughs> and, and, then, and then kill yourself. Um, <laughs> I just, it's just genuinely so hard for me when I watch these movies. Cause it's like, this should be a 30 second movie. And the world, he shoots himself in the head. I mean, I've seen plenty of those movies on the internet when I was like a middle schooler. People like getting blown up and stuff. Uh, but uh, th- th- to take a like a hard left turn here, I want to get into what Will Smith is about. This is like to show how powerful Will Smith is. There was some shit where like th- they didn't release this movie. They were going to release this movie at one point, but I guess China has some rules about how many American movies can come into the marketplace. Yeah. Or at least that was like a rule or something. And Will Smith was the dude himself personally that went and lobbied the Chinese movie making body industry government or whatever. You know, it's communist over there. So the government, I'm assuming, runs. I don't know too much about that. Runs some of it, right? Yeah. Um. So Will Smith is at the point in his career, too, where he's like, that's like this is starting to sound like some Tom Cruise shit where it's like, oh, this is like a Will Smith movie through and through. He's making these decisions, lobbying governments and shit just to make as much money as possible. I mean, funny enough, Tom Cruise was thought about for being in this movie. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Um, here's the other thing I got to think about with this movie, right? The one I have like a positive that becomes a negative. It is, and it's going to what Mark's saying about New York City being like overrun with like nature and being abandoned. It's very eerie to see New York City with no people in it and just buildings and nothingness. It's spooky, right? So that's the one thing they have in their back pocket. If you're going to do a remake of I Am Legend, since they've neutered everything else, they got rid of the subversive ending, they got rid of, they put in all the cliche kind of like screenplay beats. The one thing they have is New York City is your setting and they milk it. That opening has a lot of cool shots where you see the buildings and they and throughout the movie. They do cool shots where they keep showing. I mean, they show Broadway, Times Square, all that shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's that archway that's so popular? That's like right outside his home. And you see like the zombie in Washington. Yeah. Washington thing. It's just that big white archway Greek looking thing, whatever. They're showing all these staples and that's really cool. But the setting is just that that's it. There's nothing that comes of it. So it's like, if you have this one cool thing that's actually working, I almost feel like you can exploit it further than they exploited here. Meaning 
again, if you want to allude more to the book and whatever, this is the douchey thing. It's like, here's what I would do differently. But what is the premise? New York is completely fucking abandoned and there's these zombies out there or whatever. They'll kill you. And you're the last quote unquote living person in this fucking metropolitan area. If the book's themes are alluding to, wait, no, they're a society and they're going to slowly become the dominant society of these zombies. Wouldn't it be spooky if he was out at night or during the day and like lights were turning on in office buildings? Like, why is there a fucking light up there? Or why are cars or why is the mannequin like are they doing this movie? The mannequin moved, but why did someone take my car? And what's going on here? And the bait and switch could be like, oh, they're survivors. There's a light in that building. There's a light over there. The city's coming back to life. There are survivors. I'm not alone in this. But then that realization that's like, no, these aren't survivors. These are the zombies now roosting in the decay of New York City. They're taking- or they are their survivors. They just aren't surviving. How you like, you know what I mean? It's like, a, yeah, they survived the mutation. Right. They survived the mutation or whatever it is, but it's just like, okay, the city is back in play. Mm. I don't know. I just felt like here's this cool. That would be cool. It just be unsettling to be like, oh, these one of the most fucking turn on lights. They're fucking moving cars now. Why are they? Oh, they're claiming this as their fucking. One of the most unsettling things, honestly, is when you see the mannequin moved out of place and then you then realize that he used the exact same trap on Robert. Yeah. As Robert used on a thing. And it's like, that is the spookiest thing when they're doing human things when they're not supposed to be human. So I'm with you. That would be fucking yeah, dope. That, that would actually stick more with the theme of like, you, you're being replaced. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. the monster. You're not the normal person anymore. You know, you're yeah. the, you're the, you're the outside. You're done. You know, honestly, like that would be cool too, honestly, for like 2022, just like the idea of how many people feel like that where it's like oh the new generation comes in and i get pushed out and like i'm the monster like like you like yeah. there's so many good ways to still make it pertinent. Well, that's what omega man is like yeah. right oh, omega man is with charlton Heston, right mm. yeah and yeah, that omega- ending is very similar to last man on earth ending where it's like he's mortally wounded but omega man i mean i, I feel like i talked about this last time that's the one where it's just like the zombies represent youth and he's trying to save the culture the old culture yeah if you've ever seen the treehouse of horror where they're all wearing like the black robes like the neighbors Mm -hmm. and everything yeah that's omega man that's a mega man yeah this movie felt short Uh, thank god like you know what i love in a sci-fi movie quick and it felt like i didn't get a good grasp of like this is the beginning. This is the middle. This is the end. Like the end really snuck up on me. I feel like. Mm. Yeah. You, know, you had like, no gauge of like where I was like, oh, shit, were. this is the part. Like, I remember it. I was like, oh, this is the part where he, he dies. And it felt like there like it was almost missing a chunk before that. You know what I think the big issue is, is instead of taking all that time to have him go out and hunt deer, I think they should have spent more time showing him hunting the creatures and collecting them for his experiments and doing like a montage of that. Like I know they showed like the pictures, but I think they should have done more of a thing where like you thought he was hunting deer, but really he was out hunting these things. And I think you should could have shown like that antagonistic 
relationship between the two of them because you honestly just go from like setting up the world to being like this one is oddly mad to this oddly mad one just trapped me oh and now i'm dead you know like i feel like there could have been like a few more like missed encounters between the two of them to like build up the tension between the two of them better but also again any sci-fi movie if you want to fucking make it quick i appreciate you because i think sometimes they go a little long yeah you know what if the studio note is like we can't have will smith be the bad guy at the end right Mm-hmm. And maybe they soften that through the uh, the entire movie you're talking about. Like they don't show him. He kidnaps fucking one woman who's stacked and then doesn't do anything else. Right. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, but just imagine if they had that montage and he's treating them like fucking cattle or something like he puts them in bags and drags them like across the street. Like he has no care. He's treating them like animals. They're just they, it doesn't even cross his mind that they're people. But you keep in the alternate ending, the original ending, which is him finally recognizing, oh, they love each other and they like have like relationships like this Mm -hmm. alpha male wants this like lady over here, this lady zombie. Then it's like, okay, he was seeing them as subhuman and now he's recognizing them as life or whatever cognitive life and then it's like okay you don't have to kill him at the end and maybe he doesn't realize he's a monster or whatever and you still hollywood the shit of it but it still resonates as like a cooler dystopic ending of like oh there are people too it could have even been like oh god see we're just getting into this rabbit hole of rewriting shit like the whole thing was like his daughter and his wife were like come on the helicopter with us get off this island, mm-hmm. get off, get out of New York City, come on this helicopter, and then, you know, they get all blown up type of thing. Um, but then it could just be like, oh, he realizes this, and then he leaves with the new woman and child. And it's just like, oh, I'm just going to leave them in peace and leave. And then you could kind of have... I should have done what I should have in the and the, for, yeah, oh, right. like the full, It's fulfilled. He finally yeah. fucking leaves. His work is done and the work is on himself. They need to do this realization yeah. and go. he leaves and yeah. still a Hollywood ending gets the fuck out of there. He ends up in Bernie Sanders. But isn't you know. that the problem with all New Yorkers? They just can't leave New York. Oh, they love that pizza and the their taxis. Mm. Um, can I bring I'm up- walking here, <laughs> right? <laughs> I want to. I, there's still so much to talk about, but there are three things that I feel like we got to get to. One, why did I like the Shrek scene so fucking hey, much? Start this. Mike Myers getting fucking money off. Excuse me, Eddie Murphy's getting money. Oh, Eddie Murphy scene. Okay, Will Smith literally talked to like the creators of like Shrek, and was just like, "Hey, I really want it in the movie." I don't know why it was so highlighted, but it was fucking great. Loved it. Number two, let's talk about this. What the fuck? Like, I don't care if you're the last three people on the goddamn earth. You are all out of your minds. You pick up this rando guy, bring him back to his house. You start going through all of his shit, start cooking his food. Like, yeah, cool. He's a human. 
He could be batshit crazy. And you little lady and you little boy just brought yourself into the den. Like, you know what? Let's turn this into a horror movie. He takes you two downstairs and starts experimenting. (laughs) He starts getting pretty upset with them, yelling at their face about God. And just like, yeah, you stupid bitch. You don't just go into some random jacked man's house, whether you're the last people on earth or not like you have to assume he's probably done some pretty fucked up things to still be alive at this point and that was like all a mind fuck to me that she's just like i found bacon i started cooking it i have eggs and they just like made themselves so cushy comfortable immediately in his home yeah i mean it is food has to be scarce at this point they were eating like, like it wasn't yeah she's just like i made a full breakfast <laughs> all your Dude, toast you is gone see- did you see how many eggs were in that frying pan? It was insane. <laughs> like, Excuse me. They were powder, Eric. They were powder? She was like, they were powdered eggs. And she like apologized to him. And she's like, yeah, he knows. He scavenged them, you bitch. Oh, my God. She used it all. You're right. That would be a fucking great horror movie. Like post-apocalypse. Like you and your son are out on the road and you see this horrible car accident. You go over and you retrieve like a man and you're like, oh, my God, there's another survivor. You bring him home and you're like, great, we can all work together or whatever. But he's just fucking insane. He's like, like, oh, fresh people to work on. Wasn't it like Cloverfield or the second Cloverfield? Oh, yeah. oh Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, that was that good. was that a was good, good one. I did like that. I like You're that. Right. That's exactly that, that's like the premise to T. There's a car accident yeah. and everything. Okay, they already did it. It's well, it was just like insane to me because it's just like you are like a vulnerable woman with a child, and you were just like, Oh, I like went through all your medicine cabinets, and like, wow, you have some great antibiotics. And she was just like too at home too quickly. I didn't like it. They could have honestly just done even a handful of things to build that up where it's like they'd commuted on CB radio before. I don't know. But guys, was it, were they going for like, she's just so naive and blindly trust her. Like, faith no, in God. I, like yes, everything will yes. just work out where she's just kind of like God told her to go to him. Right. So like, yeah, but still, that doesn't mean you can like so, make yourself at home in someone else's house. So the broken glass on the doors at the end, like, yeah, there's the butterfly imagery, but then is that angel imagery too? Well, well, I think it's butterfly, but also I heard, did you say you watched the alternate ending? Yeah. Oh, I watched it. Did did this part happen or maybe they wanted to put it in, but didn't put it in. I heard that, you know, the, the, so the, the hot zombie Mm -hmm. that's got those milkers on her. She has a butterfly tattoo on her neck. Yes. I saw that. And so the alpha male zombie that like is what is wants to get his lady back. It said that he does the butterfly movement. He doesn't. But it said that in the alternate one, he draws it on the glass, draws a butterfly like the uh, tattoo or something. Or is that something I didn't, I didn't watch the alternate ending? So, yeah. so or maybe that was something they were considering doing. I didn't just, see that. Yeah. All right. But yeah, I don't know. Okay, and also, guys, we got to get to it. And Mark's not going to want to get to this point in the podcast because he's soulless. And I don't know how Eric feels, but he, I know he's no, a little soulless. Fucking also. dog. Yeah, talk about the fucking dog. Will Smith killed five dogs in this movie. Motherfucker was shooting dogs in the face the entire movie. He killed so many dogs. Oh, this is like an app. The- okay, sure. What's, what, what's your angle, Lily? What's your thought? One, I think the dog. 
is great. And if you're going to give me a last guy on earth thing, I love it. Give me like the buddy cop shit with his little puppy dog. Um, Also, you can tell that like Hollywood is so scared of PETA because like so much of like the information you can find about this movie is all the things they did with the dog that was like humane. And it's like, don't worry. We did this safely. And don't worry. The car wasn't moving in this scene. And don't worry. This was happening. Don't worry. This is like, you're like, damn, PETA's got you by the ball. Dogs getting treated great. uh, For the last 20 years, Harvey Weinstein's been ripping through that fucking town. Right. Taking advantage of women and shit. But the dog's fine, guys. The dog, we didn't put the dog in a car. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking stupid. But Harvey Weinstein, yeah. Will Smith tried to adopt the dog at the end of filming. Oh, Lord. And the trainer said no. But like, whatever. I think that dog's a a gold mine. You could give it away. I think that dog was great. I think it was needed. Um, I think they were cute together. I think it was way too emotional when that dog died. It's a memorable scene. That's for sure. Yeah. Everybody remembers that scene from this. When he yeah, the like dog. that shit's sad. It's rated one of the saddest movie scenes. It's like old yeller shit, right? Yeah. Go on. Get. Get. Why? And it was it was his daughter's dog. You have it, daddy. Oh, but I will say this. I'm an animal lover. I got lots of pets. Got too many pets. Like them all. But I'm telling you right now, if it's like, yo, we got 10 minutes to get the fuck off fucking Manhattan. Shit's going down. I'm leaving the dog. It was pretty insulting that they brought the dog with them. The whole escape scene is also kind of insulting because like his wife gets scanned twice, but like other people, they didn't like scan more than once. And then like they bring the dog. It's just like. I love my dogs more than anything, but in that situation, that you love your be... dogs more than anything. No, well, oh, no, God. I love my animals. Like I'm not like someone who would very easily like leave them, <clears throat> but it's, it's the notion where they save your house is on fire. They're just like, leave your windows and your doors open. Don't try and get your pets. The safest thing you can do for your pets is to just get the fuck out. Cause they will find their own way. They will escape. They will survive. And I don't know. Just like, I don't think you need to bring the dog to the helicopter. Yeah, I have a point I'm going to make and I have to go down a really long winded road to get there. So anyways, it's interesting because this movie, the 2007 movie has elements of the book. The book deals with flashbacks. So you meet Robert Neville, very similar to this. He's the last man. He's going about his business, killing vampires trying to find a cure, surviving day to day, whatever, whatever. But he does meet a dog at one point and he's like, oh, my God, here's a dog. I can take care of it or whatever, but it's infected and it just like dies like three weeks later or whatever. There was nothing he could do for it. So it's like, oh, the dog was in the book and they kind of adapted here. And then also in the book, it deals with flashbacks. Originally, Richard Matheson was going to write the book. Uh, chronologically, meaning you would see the fall of humanity. You would see Robert Neville becoming alone and having to figure out this brave new world and figure out how to deal with vampires and all that. But he was just like, all the mystery sucked out. So what if we just start with him and the vampires and use flashback to show his backstory? What happened to his wife and kid? 
what caused this and all, whatever, whatever. And why that was very effective in the book, according to Richard Matheson, like straight from his mouth, he basically said that there's like an alpha vampire that like is antagonizing Robert Neville the entire movie or sorry, the entire novel. Just try and fucking kill him. Just try and fucking kill him. And then you do a flashback where Robert Neville's like going to work one day and he pulls into a driveway and it ends up being his coworker. Where he's like, oh, hey, Bob, get in the car. And he gets in the car and they take off together. And you're like, oh, my God, this thing that's been like terrorizing him in the present day story in the past was just like his good buddy or whatever, which makes oh, it very wow. sad. You know, that unexpected thing. So anyways, bring it all back to the flashbacks in this movie. We keep seeing this sequence of him trying to leave New York City with his family, try and get his wife and kids to safety. I thought the bait and switch because they were like setting it up so hard. He's driving them to like the rallying point where they're going to get into a helicopter and leave. And he keeps saying, you guys are going to get off the island. I have to stay here and save the people here, right? That's like his character flaw. He's so stubborn. He just can't leave. He keeps thinking about humanity, not the people in front of him. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. You guys get into a helicopter. I thought the bait and switch was going to be like, you get to the helicopter and for one reason or another, like his kid and wife are scanned and they're infected and he's just like pushed into a helicopter Mm. and like takes off and his family is stuck like with all the infected people. And it's like, oh my God, like, and then whatever, the helicopter crash, he survives, but his family's still killed. But they didn't do that. Anyways, I don't know why I'm going on that rant, but that's what I thought the bait and switch was going to be. I'm like, oh, they're setting up way too hard that they're leaving and he's staying. I'm like, they're going to fucking flip that shit. He's getting on that fucking helicopter. Honestly, Anyways. and I just, I, I don't think it does a lot for the movie either way. Like if his family is dead or not. You know what I mean? Like, I think it makes it a little bit more sad, but honestly, I think it would have been equally as sad if his family did escape and now they're just out there and he just has no idea. Like, are they still alive? Are they still okay? And honestly, I think it would have been a bit better because it would have been like, oh, this is why he's so ravenous about finding a cure. Like, he thinks he can still somehow save them. And like, and it's like why he's so ready to look past the humanity in these new creatures because there is the potential that they're out there somewhere and at the end it could have been like he just escaped because he's just like why the fuck have i wasted three years being away from my family trying to find a cure when i could just like have been with them oh new horror movie ready this ain't no 10 cloverfield lane you two ready strap in same concept some metropolitan city Let's pick Barcelona. Who the fuck cares? Anyways, people need to leave the fucking city and escape. Very similar to this movie. He needs to get his wife and fucking kid on a helicopter. But this motherfucker is so selfish. They're like, cool, honey. We're going to go to the helicopter, right? He's like, yep, we're all leaving the city. And he fucking locks them up in the basement. He's like, I, I'm, you're staying here while I do my fucking research because I can't live without you motherfuckers. And he oh, damns them sure. to the post-apocalyptic city and they're just stuck with him. And he's just like, sorry, you're fucking staying, motherfuckers. Spooky. I don't like that. Uh, shitty family. Spooky. <laughs> Willow Smith in this small part. Small part. Does- you give Jaden a role. You got to give Willow a role. I get it. I get it. Tat. But um, I feel like this one was like it was. This one felt more like nepotism because at least Jaden in Pursuit of Happiness was in it. Mm. This is like 
Willow Smith said like five scenes. Unnecessary. Just, yeah, it's just like this really could have been anybody, but it's just like just sneak my daughter in there. She needs her first credit at four. You know, I would do that shit. I would Angelina Jolie at in Maleficent, where it's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just like throw my kid in this right, real quick. Do we have any last oh rights? Okay, we don't we have not talked about that this is getting a sequel. Say what? For real? I mean, I heard that they were trying to. Or... They were trying to do a sequel. It it all everything got a little complicated after Will Smith couldn't keep his hands to himself at the Oscars because movies got pushed. Because Will Smith's gonna be uh, so it's a prequel. No, they no. The idea is that I mean, it says it's starring him. So people are like, it could be flashbacks, but that doesn't really work with the idea that it's starring him. People wonder if they're going to go alternate ending to do the sequel where like somehow he did survive and did make it out of that. I mean, um, which I mean, honestly, I don't think we need. I don't think we need like a sequel to this movie. Oh, man, the story. We need this story finished. They they honestly wrapped it up a little too well, but. They're saying like 2024 now because everything got pushed a little bit, but he is like executive producing on it. Rumor has it Michael B. Jordan. Just don't make a TV series. That's all I'm saying. I'm everything's a fucking TV series now, and I just don't have the patience. Mark, you were talking on the podcast recently or the Gentleman's Club podcast. You're falling out of love with the Rings of Power. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I maybe it's just the time that, that I'm watching. Like, I feel like I have to watch it in broad daylight because I'm like falling asleep by the end of it. Every episode, every episode, I'm just like de- dozing in and out, and I'm just like, "Fuck," you know. No. You're not doing that during House of Dragon. That's true. That's true. And I, look, I'm I'm here. I was full throated into the new Lord, like Lord of the Rings show. No, I, and I can admit when it's you know it's just not working for me. A little dry. Let me throw out something there because I read a criticism. I have not seen the show, so you two have to tell me if this is. You need to get into shows, Eric. Grow up. I watched The Last Man on Earth with Will Forte. That show is fucking hilarious. I've started watching Thirty Rock too. That's a really fun. Okay, Thirty Rock's fucking so funny. Have you guys seen the Steve Martin episode? He's like agoraphobic, but really, we've watched it like three times, (laughs) three or four times, all the way through. Yeah. Oh, fucking good. Um. Anyways, so. Rings of Power, I read a criticism and it kind of makes sense not to fucking keep like saying why Tolkien was so great. But when you think about like The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and The Fellowship of the Ring and all the, those books and stuff and stories and more, I, I know the movies better because I didn't read that shit. Um, they don't have the trappings of typical stories or screenwriting. We keep talking about screenwriting, especially with this, those beats where it's like, Establish your character, make them, you know, do something that's kind of like heroic or likable, this, blah, blah, blah. But someone was describing Rings of Power of having very like typical, like, okay, here's Gladriel or whatever. And this is your hero and this is what they're going to do. And this is how they relate to the world and blah, blah. And they're on a mission. Whereas like the original novels and The Hobbit would make them so interesting. They don't have those trappings. It's like, yes, they're the hero's journey or whatever. Like, we're going to go destroy this ring or whatever. But they're kind of weirder than that in some aspects. And they don't follow 
the story beats that like every screenwriter is imbued with now where it's like by page 12, this needs to happen. Then this happens. And then this happens is mm-hmm. that. And so I, I read that critique about this where it's like, Oh, it's the Lord of the Rings painted on top of like, you know, a Marvel beats or whatever, whatever the case is. So can you guys confirm so deny this, that? Is that this kind is of what thing? I see on it is like, I, I, I really like how shows are written and like what's the engine of a show that keeps something going like for multiple episodes and yeah. i know netflix is like you know everything's now like the 10 episode series type of thing but these they all still go on for many like seasons and everything but i mean i think what i see that that's bothering me or that, what i see that's just ultimately boring i guess with the lord of the rings one is at least the the movies they were at the very first movie. They're just all together, right? It's the whole clan. It's the fucking fellowship, right? And I know they yeah. split up in the second and third one, but they're still grouped together for the most part. Mm-hmm. In this one, it's like there's not only like the 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 A line, like the A story. There's mm-hmm. the B story, the C story, this D story, and fucking an E story. Nobody's oh, together. Oh. Everybody's yeah. separate. So ultimately, what you get is five separate stories that they're just cutting between, and. Because they're only hour long episodes. Each character is like this character. They're looking for an axe. And by the end of the show, they find an axe. Mm. And this character is trying to escape this jail cell. And by the end of an hour, they escape the jail cell. And it's like, oh, I have to go through five of these every episode. So that's that's where, where I'm seeing the problem is. Yeah. And when you think of like Avatar, the last airbender, that show, why it's so great is because it's about those kids like coming together. Right. You have Aang and uh, whatever the other characters names are. Sokka. You fucking for real, Eric. But you have them all together so that when they do later on have their separate stories, you're like, you still feel the energy of that pack. Yeah, you're making a great point. What of all these these A stories to the E story that is all separated, oh, discombobulated? Couldn't you do like three to four to five episodes where you establish how close these characters are and then send them on their own little journeys? And then it's like, oh, we know how they relate to each other. But if you don't know how they relate that would yeah i think that would be infuriating for me because i'm it's tough yeah all right wait back to this um so will smith <laughs> wait, are, are we done with it because i, I want to go on to what i just found out about the next movie whoa sure. yeah. i'm good all right yeah i'm good okay so i will i mean ultimately i'm you know this is middle of the road movie i like this movie i think it's, this is like a like, completely again will smith was great in it like i think will smith yes. was great in it will smith was phenomenal he looked phenomenal great acting it was to me a perfectly adequate movie like i'll give it to him like it's like it's not middle ground for him it's like a little above middle ground because he acts in it so well it's like a perfectly acceptable movie i'll watch it on a sunday afternoon eric uh, Will Smith is fucking fantastic. In fact, he's so good. You you see like how the script maybe lets him down a little bit or whatever. Mm. And I know I've been kind of negative about this. I don't want to come across that. It's like that fucking terrible. I think I think it's just what we started this podcast with that ending so profound from the book. And dude, this is the era of the movie The Mist, which I won't spoil for anyone. But it's like you can get away with dark endings like The Mm -hmm. Mist has a dark ending. Again, you don't have Will Smith in The Mist. So maybe that's why they couldn't really succumb to a very bleak, weird ending. Anyways, Will Smith is great. He's action guy. He's funny. 
he can be very emotional in this or whatever. And um, I don't know if I would necessarily say like, check it out if you haven't seen it. It's like an underrated thing, but yeah, I guess that's the, those are my thoughts. Will Smith, come on, man. Come back to us. <laughs> come over to my All house. Right. <laughs> so the next movie coming up is Hancock. The mm, yeah, the superhero one where he's like, I've George never seen superhero. it. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it, and I remember being disappointed. But mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how I feel. But this is what I'm interested in now because I was just like, oh, I'm gonna check this shit out. Who wrote it? Who wrote it? One of the best writers right now, at least TV writers. Who? John Mulaney, Vince Gilligan. Oh, fuck! Better Call Saul <laughs> and Breaking Bad. Okay, wrote. Hancock. I fucks with him, man. I fucks with him. I'm very interested to see what he was doing this long ago before he was famous for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. I think people are going to be pleasantly happy with this one. If it's if it's like I remember it, I think this is going to be one of those ones where we're going to say out of its time. But it just could be. I'm interested to see if it's just like he was doing like writer for hire type of shit. Like, you know, because Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are like his babies. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just just a producer that was just like, oh, there's this like young whippersnapper. Let's get him on it type of shit. I hate series, but I can't recommend Better Call Saul more because like on top of it being like well written, the beginning of every episode is so artistically shot. Mm. And for that to be dropping on like AMC is so insane. Yeah, I can believe that, man. Some of the best shit going, uh, best shit out there right now is on TV. Yeah, it's like really fucked up. Like, I mean, just even just like visually, like even if you don't watch the whole episodes, if you watch like the first 10 minutes before like title cards of Better Call Saul, it is like honestly some like really beautiful like art that they create. I think here's my problem is like, I'm so hesitant to watch anything. And I know if I watch Better Call Saul, I'll come to you guys and be like, dudes, it's so fucking, did you guys realize how good this was? And you're like, yeah, you dumbass. We told you to watch it fucking 10 years ago. So I don't know. I'm too busy. So why are you hesitant? Because you know what? If we fucking call your friend Pat and we tell him to recommend it, all of a sudden there you are watching Midnight Mass, you bitch. Here's what I'll say. He has recommended Better Call Saul and I haven't watched it. Okay, could I make a better recommendation? Yeah. You gotta watch fucking Dark. You'll be so confused. Don't recommend Netflix shows. Give me a Peacock show or something. I don't have Netflix. Dude, I will give you our Netflix login if you watch Dark. It's just the crazy Dark are coming out with their new show, 1898. Dude, Dark is... It is like a show that I still think... It's German. It's literally dark as fuck. It It is a show that Mark and I would sit down... We'd only watch one episode a night because it was so fucking, it was too much. We would sit down before it and like pull up charts <laughs> so we could remember what the fuck is going on. Also, right. the OA. Okay. Anyways, guys, hold on. Oh, hold on. Mark. I got my last thought because oh. my thing was dumb. Uh, what I put about <laughs> Will Smith and come over to my house. This is uh, something I want to bring up, and it's a phenomenon that happens a lot. Do you guys have experiences where you saw a movie like in 2007 and then now you watch it and you're like, oh, I really liked it back then and I watch it, it's lame or vice versa. It's like, oh, I thought that movie was such a piece of shit. But then you watch it with like new life experience. And yeah, new pursuit of happiness. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Right. But so already report. Yeah. There you go. That's so I liked it slightly less. <laughs> what I was interested if that phenomenon was going to happen with this, because when I saw in 2007, as I stated earlier, my friend and I could only talk about how psyched we were for the dark night. Mm. didn't talk about the movie we just saw and didn't really necessarily care for it. So I'm like, I was excited to be like, let's see if Eric 2022 mm. on something. And funny enough, I feel like kind of exactly the same. So uh, my life experiences, my tastes have not changed what I thought of. I am legend. I think it's the third act. It is. Because a, I yeah. like I was watching. I was like, oh, this is like this is good. Is this like super underrated? But then you get to that third act and they really just waffle that ball so hard and like you know not to critique like the actress or like that rando eight-year-old boy did he not talk (laughs) what was up no i don't think they did but like they just brought nothing like will smith was acting his ass off and then they were like not that good i don't know it just like the ending they just really petered out and they ate his bacon he is fucking bacon. bacon. Rude. All right, <laughs> right Hancock's next. Eric's going to Palm Springs. We're going to dox him. This is a dress. He sent me the fucking Airbnb. Let's go. <laughs> Send him your toes. <laughs> mm, do I like that? Right, what if you see Will Smith there? He's not in fucking Palm Springs. He's in Miami. Oh, I was about to say Miami. Yeah. So the heat is on. Uh, oh, no, oh, there should have been uh, an I Am Legend rap. Okay, can I? Uh, no. I am legend. Can I tell you something? Uh, when legend. they filmed the scene with the helicopters, it was like fucking freezing. They had like a thousand extras there. That motherfucker in between takes. Did summer, summer, summer time to keep everybody like warm and the spirits up. Wow. Getting jiggy with it, Will. I love it. All right. Bye, everybody. See you.